When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's June 18th, 2021, and you are invited to join me and my dear friend and longtime co-host, Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com, as we have an in-depth, no-holds-barred conversation about twin life, especially what it's like to raise twins. So we're going to be talking twin pregnancy, surviving twin toddlerhood, twin life dilemmas, anything and everything you've ever wondered about having twins in the family. I mean, honestly, you guys, who knows where this conversation is going to go? I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We hope you know that you have found your way to the most awesome community of women that exists on the internet right now. Now, you can find our awesome community on Facebook, of course. The Sorta Awesome Hangout is truly the heart and soul of our community. We have an amazing group of women over there. We also want to give a shout out to how much we love our awesomes of Instagram. Come over there and follow us. We've got daily stories going on. We're always having discussions about something in the main feed. We've got reels. We've got a little bit of something for everybody on Instagram. We would love to have you join us there at Sorta awesome show. So hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. I am excited to be here. I am so fascinated about twins, what it's like to parent twins. I sent you a not very short list of questions. (laughs) Yes. I know this is going to be so fun. So you may or may not know that we have twins in our family. My husband, Kyle, and I have twin eight-year-old sons, John Kyle and Mac are their names. And so Rebecca through the years has kind of peppered questions into conversations like, well, what's this like? And what's that like? But Rebecca, I was unprepared. (laughs) (laughs) I was unprepared for the in-depthness of questions. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never even thought about some of this stuff. (laughs) And I've been doing this for eight years. (laughs) <laughs> oh my word, that's so funny. Okay, well, this might need to be a new series. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. You know what is so fascinating to me is, I mean, seriously, I knew just a handful of people growing up that were twins, like classmates of mine. You know, every now and again, you'd have a set of twins in your class, maybe. But in the bigger wide world, it's really become so much more common. In fact, I was just talking about our sort of awesome hangout community. On Facebook, we have lots of spinoff groups from the Hangout where people who want to get a little bit more in-depth into specific topics, conversations, go and and make their own group made up of awesomes. 
So we have a whole spinoff group for moms of multiples because we have so many in our community that have twins or triplets and there's a lot of conversations to be had for sure. So this is going to be so fun. You have so many questions. I'm not even sure if I have all the answers, Rebecca. <laughs> okay, well, we need to get started so we can move on through because this is That's not true. a series. We are doing it all now and you're getting all the goods. Here we go. <laughs> so we'll get to all of that here in just a few minutes. First, let's start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. This is, of course, the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little bit more awesome right now. Whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product, something that's making life a little bit happier. Rebecca, what do you have for us this week? Okay, I have a dress that I just got at Target last week. The brand name is Knox Rose. And I don't know if it's this way at all Targets, but my Target has this display of Knox Rose dresses that are all white and red dresses. Oh, okay. And... If you have been in a Target in the last several months, then you may have realized that Target has lost their ever-loving mind when it comes to women's fashion. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way or a bad way? Oh, I mean, we went from prairie dresses to (laughs) neon grandma dresses. Like, I don't even know. I can't form words. No, not in a good way. But I walked into Target and I saw this display of Knox Rose dresses. And I was like, oh my word, they have come back to their senses. Here we are with fashion for the everyday ordinary woman again. And I had been on the lookout for something that I could wear on like a beachy vacation. And I found such a great dress. So it is real lightweight, but it's long. It's maxi length. It's a little Mm. bit shorter in the front, longer in the back. I think it's going to be really great for hot summer nights because it's super easy, breezy, flowy fabric. It is a red and white dress. So some of the dresses in the collection are solid white, solid red. This is red and white. And I would describe it on the website. It says floral, but it doesn't feel very floral to me. I would describe it more as like a Western style pattern to it. Oh, fun. And it has like a cinched waist Mm -hmm. with a drawstring. So you can adjust that accordingly, which I think is really nice. There's some flexibility there. If you want to cinch it real tight, you can. If you want it to be a little bit more straight up and down boxy, you can do that too. It has pockets. Perfect. I know, right? (laughs) Yes. It has a three-quarter length sleeve and it's $27.99. It ranges from extra small to 4X, which is nice. And I sized down. So I don't know if I would recommend that for everybody, but I would definitely, I'd try it. Maybe you might want to size down. So I'm loving this dress. I've already worn it a couple times. I wore it to church the other day and then I didn't take it off for the whole rest of the day because it's just one of those comfy dresses you don't mind staying in. Yes, this is like checking a lot of boxes for me. You know, I love a maxi dress. For sure. And this one has pockets and it's loose and flowy, but also gives you kind of tucks you in at the waist kind of thing. So, oh my gosh, this sounds lovely. I have to tell you, I have been avoiding going into my actual Target store, not because of any COVID concerns, but because of impulse shopping (laughs) concerns. (laughs) So I've been making heavy use of either pickup or delivery. So I haven't even seen, I haven't seen the crazy of any Target clothing choices that they've been making. So I'm hopeful about this one. It sounds really super cute. 
And I should also note that I'm pretty short. I'm only 5'2". So maxi length dresses are a real struggle for me because of, you know, I'm short. But I think because it is a little shorter in the front and longer in the back, it works really well for even me as a short girl. So just a little heads up for all the rest of the shorties out there. (laughs) All right, shorty. (laughs) Okay, that sounds so great. We will have a link in the show notes for sure for that dress. We'd love to see if you're rocking any dresses that you are loving this summer too. You know, I'm always on the lookout for a great summer dress for sure. My Awesome of the Week this week is a podcast. Rebecca, I would describe this as a not really true crime podcast. (laughs) A not really true crime podcast? Is it a fake crime podcast? Here's the thing. (laughs) I guess you could say it's like low crime. (laughs) Okay. I know. This is weird. But the name of the podcast is Do You Know Mordecai? And it's from UCP Audio, which is out of Canada. And I actually did find this recommended on that true crime podcast subreddit that I love to lurk on and get lots of great recommendations because I love a true crime podcast. But the person who recommended this was, this is not really actually crime. It's more of like a con man story with a bit of a twist. Okay. So preface this by saying nobody gets murdered. Nobody gets kidnapped. (laughs) The worst that happens are some people get their hearts broken. But the setup for Do You Know Mordecai is that there's a woman, the story launches into the narrative with a woman named Arya who had gone through a really rough divorce and she wanted to get back into the dating scene. So of course, as many people do these days, got on the dating apps and met this guy who was like, I mean, talk about checked all the boxes, everything that was important to her, he was that. And he was charming and affable and funny and just all kinds of things. Well, her friend Kathleen was like, gosh, this sounds really almost too good to be true. Well, as time unfolds, there's a lot of weird things about Mordecai, this man that she had met, and that he will never, ever, ever let Arya go over to his apartment or see where he lives and will have all these plans, but then the plans fall through at the last minute. Well, you can imagine where this is going is that all of the things that he had told Arya, she finds out like in a couple of minutes after being confronted by somebody else that it was all a lie. So Kathleen, the friend who was, gosh, this guy sounds too good to be true. When she finds out that he was too good to be true, Kathleen is a journalist. And so she was like, okay, we're going there. We're going to blow this story up. So this is a limited series podcast. Right now, there are six episodes, and I think that might be it. I think it has come to its full conclusion. But it's so fascinating, Rebecca, because not only do they tell the story of how he kind of charms his way into these women's lives, it's more than one. It's more than a handful. It's like dozens of people, dozens of women who have been conned by him over time. And yet it just keeps happening over and over And they really explore what's going on with him psychologically. And then Rebecca, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say that the man himself, Mordecai, is in the podcast. Like Kathleen tracks him down. Yeah. He agrees to be interviewed for the podcast. This is so fascinating. I need for people to listen to it. Again, it's just six episodes. I need for people to listen so we can discuss what is wrong with this guy. Why is he like this? They explore some of the things that could be going on in the podcast, but 
it is one of the most fascinating stories I've heard in a long time. Is his motivation money or can you not say that without a spoiler? I don't want to spoil too much, but no, he's not conning these women out of money at all. He never asks them for money. He never insinuates that he needs to move in with them or anything like that. His motivations are far, far, far more psychological than anything else. And that's what makes it so incredibly fascinating. I benched this whole thing like in a day. I could not stop listening to it. And another thing just about the podcast itself, the production values are fantastic. It is so well produced. The host, Kathleen, is fascinating. She's funny. She's not afraid to ask tough questions. It is a really well-made podcast. It's one of those that's so well-made that you don't even think about the production and how great it is as you're listening to it because it's just so fantastic. So, I'm still laughing to myself that you had to give a reverse trigger warning <laughs> that there's no murder. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like when you and I are talking about romance books yep. and it's like, hey, trigger warning, there's only kissing in this book. <laughs> Uh, yep. That's exactly what it's like. Yes. So what's the name of it again? It's called Do You Know Mordecai? You can find it on Spotify or in all of the podcast apps. Again, it's by UCP Audio, which is a Canadian production company. And it's just really fantastic. So I need everybody to go listen to it so we can talk about what is wrong with Mordecai. It's really, really good. Okay. Well, we love to hear what is awesome in your life every single week. As I mentioned at the top of the show, our community on Facebook is all about discovering what is awesome, talking about the things that are great in life. So please come join us over there because we definitely want to hear your awesome of the week. But we just want to kind of keep you company, especially in the summer, you guys. There are two times of year, the year when the hangout group gets really busy and everybody kind of flocks there. One of those times of the year is at the winter holidays. The other time is during the summer. Kids are home. In-laws are driving us crazy. <laughs> Life is happening. Come to the hangout if you haven't already so we can keep you company this summer. Facebook.com slash group slash sort of awesome hangout is where we are over there. And again, come and find us on Instagram. We'd love to have you at sort of awesome show. So Rebecca has fired up a whole list of questions. I mean, she's put on her journalist hat, I feel like. <laughs> You're or I'm just journalists. really nosy. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get into all kinds of discussion about what it's like to have and parent twins when we come right back. Hey, friends, as many of you know, today, many small business owners are busier than ever. That's because they're focused on managing and growing their business. And that means they can't always spend the time they wish they could on recruiting. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. As Sorta Awesome has grown through the years, I have experienced this struggle myself. It can be so overwhelming and intimidating to try to find just the right person to fill a crucial need on your team. And that's why I love that LinkedIn Jobs makes it so easy to get started. In fact, you can get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. You just fill out the targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, the skills, and the motivation that you need. Then use simple tools to filter and prioritize the top candidates that you'd like to interview. LinkedIn Jobs will help 
you hire the right person for your role. And again, your first job post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash awesome. Again, that's linkedin.com slash awesome to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, awesomes. I know there are those of you who are out there who have tried meditation before, and frankly, it didn't work. Or maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong. Well, if mental health is part of your self-care plan for this year, you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. In fact, Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you to feel better. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I'm not exaggerating when I say it has radically changed my life. I can't imagine my life without my daily meditation practice now, and that's because of Headspace. Friends, you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com awesome. That's headspace.com awesome, and you're going to get a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal being offered right now. So head to headspace.com slash awesome today. Okay, awesomes fill in the blank. Brush, floss, then what? If you didn't say rinse, you may not be getting a complete clean. Mouthwash is a key part of your whole mouth's health because it gets between teeth to kill bad breath germs and help strengthen enamel. Thankfully, the oral care experts at Quip created a super simple way to make mouthwash part of your daily oral care routine. Now you guys know Quip, they're the makers of the electric toothbrush and floss that you hear about all the time. And they've launched a new mouthwash to help you complete your clean. Plus it comes with a refillable dispenser that's delightful to use. Seriously, it's so pretty to look at. I love the modern design and this dispenser even comes with a built-in dosage cup so you're not looking all around your bathroom for some random cup you can use for your mouthwash. Plus, Quip's refillable mouthwash is good for your mouth and the planet. With a four times concentrated formula, Quip ships less water and more good-for-you ingredients. And if you go to getquip.com slash awesome right now, you can get $5 off of a mouthwash starter kit. That's $5 off of your mouthwash starter kit, which includes a refillable dispenser and a 90 dose supply of Quip's four times concentrated formula at getquip.com slash awesome. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash awesome. Quip, the good habits company. All right, Rebecca. I feel like I'm putting my own self in the hot seat and it's been a minute since I've done that. Well, warm up, baby, because we have a lot to cover. Like I said before, I find the whole concept of twins to be utterly fascinating. I think as a mom of what do you call us? Singletons? Is that Singletons. What? Yes. Yes. The whole concept seems very overwhelming. Yet I also know that there is so much joy that can come from having twins. And so I just can't wait for you to take us on the entire journey, answer all my questions. Let's start out with just the history of you and your life being turned upside down. Tell us about you finding out that you had twins. On okay. The way. You had twins on the way. <laughs> I'm so glad that you sent me these questions ahead of time because now my brain is so addled by age and having all these kids. Because again, if you're new to Sort of Awesome, you may not know, our twins are just two of our five kids. We have every kind of parenting situation going on over here. We have teenage girls who are 16 and 13. Our twins are eight. And then we have a toddler who just turned two. So 
Yeah. I'm so glad you sent me these questions because I was like, okay, I got to stop and think about some of this stuff. All right, here we go. (laughs) So in the summer of 2012, Kyle and I had just moved to Oklahoma City with our daughters, Stacy and AJ. We had been talking for a while about, we've got two girls. At this time, they were just getting into elementary school. And we thought, well, it was the summer I was turning 35. And so we thought, you know, if we were going to try for a boy, it seems like this would be the right time to do it. At the moment, in that moment in time, I genuinely was truly happy with having two girls They are as different as night and day. They always have been. So I felt like I was, you know, having a really diverse parenting experience already with my two girls. I was happy, but I knew that Kyle wanted to see if maybe we'll have a boy. So we did. We tried for a boy. So that was in June of 2012. Again, the idea being like, I'm 35, you know, getting up there in years in terms of childbearing. (laughs) According to, you know, doctors and medicine. So we tried and I found out pretty quickly that it worked. I was pregnant. In fact, with that pregnancy, days before I even got a positive pee on a stick pregnancy test, I already was noticing things like we live in a two-story house. I was getting completely winded, just climbing the stairs up to the second floor. Now, I wasn't in the best shape of my life, but I mean, I was like completely, yeah, like had to like stop and... (sighs) at the top of the stairs. Also, Rebecca, straight away, again, this was before I got a positive pregnancy test at home. I started having the strongest aversion to coffee, which if you know me, you know, I love coffee. I love it so much. Waking up and fixing a great cup of coffee first thing in the morning is one of my true delights in life. We even drink coffee with our dessert after dinner. We basically sip on it all day long. So I knew before I knew that I was pregnant, like there's something going on with me. So got the positive pregnancy test, went ahead and made my first OB appointment. I was going to have to go to a new practice. Obviously, we had just moved here. Also, both of my daughters were cesarean births. And so not only were we trying for a boy, I also really, really, really wanted to try to have a VBAC after two, which is a vaginal birth after two cesarean births. And I thought I was a pretty good candidate for it. So I took my time, found an OB that I felt like would be really supportive of that approach to birth, made the appointment. And she was like, yes, if you're going to try for a VBAC, why don't you come in early? Let's go ahead and schedule an eight-week appointment. Come in. We'll just have a conversation about what it would be like, your history of cesarean births blah, blah, blah. Let's have a conversation and then we'll go from there. So I thought, I didn't know anything except that I was going to go in and talk to her about the process of having a VBAC birth. So I went in, I went in by myself because again, I thought it was just a conversation with me and her. Kyle, it was during the workday. Kyle was working outside of our home at that time. So get in there and she's like, well, so we have the whole conversation about the VBAC. She's like, well, let's go ahead and just take a peek and see how everything's going in there. So I do all the things, get into the office gown, all of those things. She has her nurse bring in the ultrasound, in-office ultrasound machine. This particular OB practice is connected to OU's hospital and medical school. So it's like a teaching hospital, lots of, basically what I'm saying is they have lots of really great up to modern equipment. So they have the ultrasound machines right there in the office. 
roll it in. She starts taking a look around and she's like, well, I'm excited to tell you that they both look super healthy. That's literally how my OB told me. And I said, (laughs) they both. (laughs) And she turned the screen towards me and she was like, there's two in there. (laughs) I just, Rebecca, have you ever heard the phrase have a fall apart? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like a regular occurrence for me. (laughs) (laughs) I had a complete and total fall apart laying there in the office because I was so surprised. I had no expectation of it. I will say that prior to that appointment, Kyle had been teasing me relentlessly that we were going to have twins because I already was feeling really pregnant, really super early. And he was teasing me and teasing me about it. And I was a little annoyed. And just also, that's not even realistic. We have no twins in our family, none. Why would you even think we're having twins? That's not a thing that's going to happen. Why do husbands do that? Like that is like an annoying thing. And it's not just husbands, you know, it's like family, your parents, it's your in-laws. Everybody's like, oh, I bet you're going to have twins. Okay, well, but then surprise, we do. So now what are you going to do about it? (laughs) I totally called his bluff on that. (laughs) I was crying. I was shaking. I was laughing when you're just like, all of the emotions come to the surface at once. I was out of my mind a little bit. I was so much in shock. So my doctor and her nurse were like, um, we're going to let you have a minute. We'll, we'll step out <laughs> into the hall. I mean, I was not in good shape. I mean, I wasn't like hysterically bawling. I was laughing and crying and just all of the things. And I could not stop shaking. I was just so shocked. Well, and I can imagine that unexpected twins would come with a wide mix of emotions. I think on some level, of course, there's just pure joy and excitement. But then when you start maybe thinking about the practical things of, wait a minute, now there's two, how do we do two? I can see how it could be a mix of not just joy, but also complete overwhelm, perhaps some stress. I don't know. I mean, was that part of it for you? Oh my gosh, all of the things. I couldn't even think straight. I will say to give credit to my OB, this is how supportive of a VBAC birth that she was. She was like, now I realize this might change some things for you, but do you feel like you would still want to go ahead and pursue a VBAC birth? And almost immediately I was like, no, I don't know. I mean, I know that it was possible. And I'm sure there are people who are listening who either have experienced that themselves or know somebody who has. But in an instant, I was just like, no, I let that dream go in the blink of an eye to be able to have a view back birth. What I did do after they stepped out into the hall was picked up my cell phone and called my husband at work (laughs) to be like, I used some colorful language, not appropriate for (laughs) sort of awesome (laughs) to let him know that we were, in fact, he was right. We were having twins. And so he got to have his own freak out moment by himself (laughs) in his office in downtown Oklahoma City. It was beyond me to think about like, is there some kind of cute way I could tell him that we're having twins? I was like beside myself. No, at that point, you just need to take somebody at the minimum, your husband, and pull him into the hurricane with you. Absolutely. That's, a, that's what I did. I was like, no, you're coming in. We are in this together. Yes. So what about the rest of your family or your friends? Did you just spring it on them? Basically, Yes. I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, I believe I called my sister as soon as I left the parking garage at the 
clinic that I was at and told her, and again, nothing, just straight out. Just, I just left a doctor's office. I'm having twins. Just like said it all. (laughs) My best friend, Catherine was babysitting the girls while I was at the doctor's appointment. So somehow miraculously, I was able to mentally keep it together enough to get over to her house, told her immediately again, didn't even try to be cutesy about it. Just straight out. Oh my gosh, we're having twins. I think we were just so in shock and just really excited. Once we got over the initial shock of it all, really excited. We didn't do any big reveals. In retrospect, I do wish I could go back in time and maybe calm down a little bit and do some kind of something fun to tell friends and family that we were going to have twins. But I mean, we were just so, so shocked. And again, not only were we having a twin pregnancy, but also I was 35. And so at the time, of course, it's like not only a twin pregnancy, it's also now your advanced maternal age. And so we wanted to just tell people so that we could have their support emotionally, prayer support for us as we went through the pregnancy, all of those things. Have you seen those viral videos of the couple who keeps it a complete secret until after delivery that they had twins? Have you ever seen it? Oh, no, you haven't seen this? (laughs) How? How Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, practically speaking, how is that possible? But it's like they're in the hospital and the grandparents are coming in to meet their new grandbaby for the first time. And they're like handed one. And then they're like handed another one. And they're like, what? What is happening? So, no, you haven't seen this. I'm thinking back to my physical self. There was no secret. I would go out in public and this was towards the end of my pregnancy and people would be actively concerned. Like what is happening to your body? Like you must be having (laughs) twins. Are you about to have them any minute? And this was when I still had weeks left. I'm just thinking about the physical incarnation of having twins, how you could keep that a secret. I do not know. I do not know. Plus, I mean, it would have to be grandparents or friends that are far away, I guess, because you've got to set up like two cribs. You got to get two of everything. I just, I don't even know how you keep that a secret, but more power to you if you can, I guess. Okay. So did you guys have any sort of special medical concerns with your pregnancy? I mean, I know you had the advanced maternal age, but I feel like I know at least a little bit that there are some concerns as to whether or not twins share their sack or a placenta or all that business. Talk to us a little bit about the medical stuff. Okay. That is such a good question. I'm going to give you guys a brief primer on the different kinds of twins that there are. I'll start with the kind that we have. So our twins are called monodi, which stands for monochorionic diamniotic twins. That means, first of all, they're identical Monochromiotic. That's good. I, it's been a long time since I've said these words, Rebecca. <laughs> Monochorionic means that they shared the same placenta, but diamniotic means that they had their own sacs that they were growing in, their own amniotic sacs. So this is what's considered a mid-risk twin pregnancy. There is one that is riskier and one that's not quite as risky. But the fact that they do share the same placenta does mean that monodi twins are they're kind of at risk for something that's called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, which is one of the biggest risks that's involved with a twin pregnancy in the sense that one twin can begin to take all of the nutrients and it deprives the other twin. Mono-mono twins, which would be monochorionic, monoamniotic, that's the riskiest kind. They're also identical. So 
basically when the pregnancy occurs, if there's one egg that's fertilized and then splits, that's when you have identical twins. And so those are the ones that are going to share the placenta and those are the ones that have the higher risk. So we had the mid-level risk, not as risky as mono-mono, mid-level. And then fraternal twins are the pregnancy is there's actually two separate eggs that are both fertilized at the same time. They're what's known as di-di, which is dichorionic, diamniotic. And so these are the least considered to be, I mean, all twin pregnancies are still a little bit risky, but those are considered to be the least level of risk for a twin pregnancy. So yes, from the beginning, both because I was over the age of 35 and we were having identical twins, this was definitely treated as a higher risk pregnancy. I spent a lot of time both in my OB's office and then also in the advanced maternal care, basically higher risk pregnancy office. They deal with those types of pregnancies. Had a ton of ultrasounds throughout that pregnancy. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in doctor's offices with those two. (laughs) So how did the birth go? Did you end up having any concerns? So our twins were born at 35 weeks, which is just shy of being completely full term. We did end up delivering at 35 weeks because they were starting to have some growth disappearances. Our twin B, who is Mac, was starting to get bigger. And therefore, there was some concern about twin A. So they were born at 35 weeks. The birth was really pretty standard. Again, they were born at Oklahoma Children's Hospital. And so they were born where there's a great ICU. They were taken to the ICU for the first 24 hours. I really had a hard time in that birth. I basically was having a sustained panic attack the whole time. But that was all that was going on with me. But they, the twins themselves, were actually totally fine. I just was having my own separate, (laughs) separate trauma situation going on over there. Took me a long time to recover from that. Definitely, definitely my most difficult birth in the sense that emotionally and mentally, I was really going through it. But physically, I mean, I'd already had two C-sections, so I was really prepared for that whole process. That part was all fine. Our twin B, the one that was bigger. So when they were born, our twin A was five pounds, five ounces, by far the smallest of all of my children, by far. So he was five pounds, five ounces. Our twin B was seven pounds, 11 ounces. So he definitely was hogging up all of the good stuff. (laughs) Did that help for you to be able to tell them apart right away? Absolutely, it did. Yes, it sure did. They are identical. To me, they look so different that sometimes I am like, are we sure they're identical? Just by looking at them. However, Rebecca, even though Mac, our twin B, was two and a half pounds bigger than his brother, When I look at their baby pictures, especially once they get to be like four, five, six months, I can't tell them apart anymore. They will, they have ideas about who is who. They'll look and be like, that's me, that's Mac, or that's me, that's John Kyle. But when I look at their baby pictures, I have to really look at them to be like, which one was which? Mac's head was bigger, his actual skull was bigger, and that helped for a long time. But yeah, looking back, they were pretty identical back then. So how did you tell them apart? Did you do anything like assign colors or do any kind of indicator? You know, I was thinking about that. We didn't really officially do that. However, they had different colored infant car seats. One of them was orange and the other was green. So we just by chance put Mac in the orange one when we came home from the hospital. And so 
Throughout their infancy, if there was a choice between something orange and a different color, I would often dress Mac in orange. In fact, looking back again at pictures from when they were babies, that is almost always the giveaway for me. If I can't tell them apart, if one of them's wearing orange, then that one was Mac. But it's so funny because at the time when they were babies, we could all look at them and we would know who was who. It wasn't hard at the time, but then, you know, the brain is a funny thing. When you look back at pictures, it's like, oh my gosh, they were so identical. So to jump ahead to today, do any of your friends or family or like people at your church, do they struggle at all to tell them apart? Definitely, yes. Even both of my sisters live in Texas. My youngest sister doesn't get to see us quite as often. And every time she's here, she's like, I don't tell me which one is which. I can't remember who's who. Neighbors, friends from church, definitely people struggle to tell them apart. But people who see that us often, once you get to know them, their personalities, the way they speak, what they're into, what they talk about, it's all so specific to them. It's a lot easier to keep track. And do you think that some of that is just confusion of names, like which name goes with who? Or is it because they can't tell them apart physically? Yeah, that might be part of it, too. I never thought about it that way. But I think that was probably part of it, too. Just which name goes with which one? And then once you figure that out, they're easier to tell apart, I think. Okay. well, was there anything else that you wanted to say about your birth experience or about how life was like at home when you first came home from the hospital? Having a brand new baby infant twins, that part was actually, in retrospect, pretty easy. I mean, it's overwhelming always to have a new baby. But once we got into the flow of just it's all baby stuff all the time, it wasn't as hard, I would say, as when they were toddlers and they were on the move. But when they're stationary, the biggest thing is like if one's crying and the other one isn't, or if they're both crying at the same time, kind of figuring out their little personalities. My go-to with infants was always baby wearing was such a rescue for when they're fussy, just pop them in a sling. There you go. Well, Mac hated being worn. And so I have a lot of pictures of me with John Kyle in the sling and I'm holding Mac in my arms. So I'm holding them both, but what is in the sling? That part was a little exhausting. I would say it was very physically tiring when they were babies, but oh my gosh, toddler twins was so much more exhausting. We did have Kyle's parents lived close by at the time. They would come and help often. My mother-in-law would come and clean my house for me for the first few months. That was a huge help. But we just kind of figured out our rhythms and got into it. I did have really, really, really bad postpartum depression. I've talked about that on a past episode of Sorta Awesome. So I had that stuff going on. But in terms of, it was kind of like a huge, steep learning curve at the very beginning. And then we got into our rhythm and our flow and things kind of fell into place. Okay. Well, I have lots of questions about pure logistical things. And maybe I'm the only one who finds this fascinating, but I want to know all the things about how you manage the logistics of having twins. So do they share the same clothes? Do they share the same shoes? Yes. From the very beginning, they've always shared clothes. I personally did not dress my twins alike very often. Something else that was a huge help that I have to mention is at the time, a family across the street from us also had twin boys that are about four years older than our twins. She had saved so much of their stuff. And so when she found out we were having twin boys, she just started bringing it over. So basically at the end of every season, she would drop off on our porch her whole twins wardrobe of clothes. Wow. That was such a huge help. I cannot even 
say enough what a huge practical help that was. But she also didn't dress hers alike. They didn't like being dressed alike. She didn't really want to do that. And so it was never really important to me. I know lots of twin parents like to do that. And that's, again, great, awesome. Just wasn't something that we did. But they've always shared clothes. They share clothes to this day. They wear the same size. This was the first season that I was really trying to get them to pick out at least shoes that are different. Took them to the shoe store, showed them all the different things. They ended up, they themselves chose the same pair. Like they got the same kind of shoes which actually makes things so much easier when you're trying to get out the door. Just grab the shoes, grab some shoes that match and let's go. (laughs) Okay, so even though they have matching shoes, it's like all interchangeable. Like whoever wears just whatever. And who knows if they're wearing a left of this original shoe and a right of this person's original shoe. They're just all mixed in. It's all mixed up. Yes, totally. Why do I find this so interesting? I I just really, really do. Okay, now what about gifts? I really want to hear about gifts and birthdays. Do you do a lot of joint gifts or do you try to make sure that they're individual? Talk us through that. I would say up until the time they were about six or seven, and again, they're only eight now, we definitely did basically everything the same. So whatever they were into, they were kind of both into. Again, they kind of self-selected some of that. And some of it was just from being, that was just like their little world. They went through a long phase of being really into Marvel superheroes, a long phase, several years. But we've always done, like we would do one big joint gift for both of them to play with or do or whatever, and then little individual gifts. But the same with their clothes and shoes, their toys are totally all mixed together. So even if they get individual gifts, it's all, you know how kids are. I mean, just like siblings. Everybody plays with everybody's stuff. So, yeah. Right. And it makes sense that as they continue to get older and their interests might diversify a little bit, that that might be something that you change down the road. But for now, it makes sense that that's how you do it. Okay. What about birthday cakes? Do they have the same birthday cake? We've done both. We've done it both ways. This past year, they wanted one huge cake. This is what they chose together. One big cake with eight candles on it. They blew out the candles at the same time. In the past, they wanted to do separate. So we did two smaller cakes. So as soon as they could begin communicating, we have, I mean, I think we try to balance it out because in a lot of ways, we do treat them as a unit. You've overheard me talking to them and I'll just say twins, blah, 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 blah. Like I refer to them together as one thing. But at the same time, as they've gotten older, we've really looked for ways that they can differentiate themselves. So we'll ask them, what do you want to do? And what do you want to do? And try to honor whatever differences they have. It's just so funny because again, they're only eight. I anticipate this changing, but there are so many times that they just choose the same thing anyway. Do you guys seek out any kinds of special twin stuff? Like you're in this group on Facebook of sort of awesome listeners who have multiples, but are there other support groups or play groups? Do you lean towards twin themed books or movies at all? I would say when they were infants and toddlers, I did a lot more twin-focused stuff. And I think that was for my own mental health and well-being to be around other moms that got it, that understood how hard the struggles were at the time. So we definitely, we had a Moms of Multiples group here in Oklahoma City where we would go to meetups, go to play dates. And that was a huge relief for me just to be able to talk to other moms face-to-face to to see how other moms were handling all of their twin issues. They started pre-K when they were four. And so by the time they kind of got into that age range, it kind of tapered off. I didn't really 
get that much into that stuff anymore. But it was super helpful when they were little to have a support system of people that understood what was going on. I will say we have some books that are twin specific. The twins, it's funny, they still, it's taken them a long time to realize that not everybody has a twin, not everybody has twins in their family, to realize that it's kind of special (laughs) and unique to be a twin. Personally, sometimes twin storylines are really hard for me, like the twin storyline in the Harry Potter series and how that turns out in the end was very emotionally devastating for me. Also, I do not like, I know this is a whole trope. Oh, it's such a bothersome trope to be in romance novels, in pop culture, things that even to go back to Shakespearean plays, things that involve twins, especially in romantic situations and switching identities and those types of things. Mistaken identities. Mistaken identity. That's the word I'm looking for. That bothers me so much. It just skews me out. And so I avoid <laughs> all of that stuff. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Did they ever have a little twin language? Oh, yeah. They totally did, which is why we ended up splitting them into different classrooms when they started school because they had a completely developed twin language. They could understand each other perfectly. They communicated with each other perfectly. Really was a hindrance on their own language development. And so when it was time for them to start school, our principal at the elementary school at the time was like, I have a lot of twins come through through the years. Generally speaking, they tend to do better when they're in different classrooms. She totally gave us the option, but she said my recommendation after many years of working with kids is to put them in different classrooms and see how it goes. So we did do that. It helped their language development enormously because they couldn't just speak to each other. They had to speak to their teacher and and their classmates. And I really think it has helped them to develop a little bit more as individuals to not be together all the time. Could you and Kyle understand what they were saying with their little language? It took us a long time before even we could. We would do sign language and those types of things within baby sign language. That is more universal. And to understand what they were saying, it was very difficult until they were probably close to four before we could really understand what they were saying to us even. And did it just sound like jibber jabber? Yeah, basically. Gibberish? I mean, they had some significant speech delays for sure. And that was a huge part of it. But it was so interesting because whereas most, I won't say most kids, some kids who have speech delays, there's a social component to it where if they can't communicate with anyone else, it inspires them to continue to work towards their communication skills. But since those two could talk to each other all the time, they really didn't have a very good motivation to work as hard as they needed to on their language development. Okay, well, I just find this all so fascinating. Yeah. And I have some more big picture type questions okay. that we will get to after this little break. Okay, awesome. Keeping a clean and healthy home is more important than ever these days, but sometimes it can be overwhelming to look for household products that are both natural and effective. Wouldn't it be nice if there was somebody you could trust to put in the work for you, saving you time and money? Well, you're in luck because that's where Grove Collaborative comes in. Grove is the online marketplace for sustainable home essentials delivered to your doorstep. Grove Collaborative takes the guesswork out of going green. You can browse the site for thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products. They're all guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. I just put in our latest Grove.co order. Of course, it included my favorite bubble up dish brushes from the Grove Co. line. We love those. We go through so many of them. And you know, I stocked up on our favorite Mrs. Myers soaps. 
And this time, since it's summer, I added from Bear Republic their mineral sunscreen lotion. It's an SPF 50, and I got it in the vanilla coconut scent. I can't wait to try out this new sunscreen for our family. And that's the great thing with Grove. You don't have to shop multiple stores or search endlessly online to get all the natural goods that you need for you and your family. You can join over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. Plus, shipping is fast and free on your first order. So make your home healthier this new year. For a limited time, when you awesomes go to grove.co slash awesome, you'll get a free Mrs. Myers gift set plus free shipping with your first order. And that is a $30 value, but you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co slash awesome to get this exclusive offer. That's grove.co slash awesome. Okay, friends, let's face it. We probably all have something we should see a doctor about, but we've been putting it off. Your health is way too important to ignore. If making a doctor's appointment feels like a chore, then Plush Care is here for you. They make it super easy to schedule an appointment and see a doctor so that you can prioritize your health hassle-free. Plush Care provides virtual doctor's appointments through your smartphone or your computer. I love that I can just go on there and pick a time that works for me and book an appointment right online. I don't have to sit on hold forever or make a phone call, which you know I hate to do. I don't have to leave the house and go sit in a crowded waiting room. With Plush Care, I can be diagnosed, treated, and even have a prescription sent to my pharmacy within minutes. PlushCare accepts most major health insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. And if you're having a difficult time managing your emotions, and who isn't these days, PlushCare doctors are available to help. Schedule an appointment today to discuss your treatment options. Believe me, I know more than anyone that sometimes when you need specific health care, just making the appointment can be the hardest thing. Every single time I use Plush Care, I'm so grateful for how easy it is. And that's because Plush Care really makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. So start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash awesome to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash awesome for a free 30-day trial. Plushcare.com slash awesome. Okay, we're back. We have been talking all about having twins, the pregnancy, the babyhood, what it's like practically speaking. Believe it or not, Rebecca, you have even more questions about this. So (laughs) let's get to those. Okay, so one thing that I kind of have become aware of, I think mostly just from observing you and also maybe some questions in the Hangout group, is that that decision about whether to separate twins in school or to keep them together is kind of a controversial, hot topic thing for parents of twins. I'm curious, though, since you've already shared your perspective on that and the decision you made, what other twin philosophy debates are there out there that maybe us singletons don't know about? That is such a good question. And I think a lot of them are conversations that are probably familiar to any parent, For example, one of the big questions from the very beginning is, should you put your twins on the same schedule? Some people feel really strongly, like absolutely, they should absolutely be fed at the exact same time, nap at the same time, do whatever it takes to keep them on the exact same schedule. And they have really big feelings about that. Other people are a little bit more lax about it, or maybe have a different philosophy in terms of I don't want them to be on the same schedule because I want to have that individual bonding time with each one. For example, I was breastfeeding. I breastfed the twins until they were about six months old. My supply started tapering off when they were about four months old. 
by the time they were six months old, we'd really moved over to formula almost completely. But I came from this very crunchy attachment parenting background with my girls and had a lot of really big, strong ideas about the importance of having that bonding time with each of them. And I just couldn't figure out how to do it if they were on the same schedule. At the same time, that meant that I was parenting a baby around the clock, you know, because if one was napping and I had the other one awake, that got to be very tiring. So I think even from the beginning, these questions about, am I going to schedule this baby or are we going to be more relaxed? Those are questions a lot of parents have to contend with, but it's just like amplified when there's two of them. And so I'm trying to think other big questions that twin parents face, especially if they're the same gender, are we going to have them in the same room? Are they going to share beds? Our twins have slept together pretty much from the beginning. We never used their cribs. They co-slept with us until they were almost a year old. And then I moved them. I made it like a Montessori style floor bed for them. And so they have pretty much from that time on, they love sleeping together in the same bed. Some parents really want them to have to foster a little bit more independence. And so they might share a bedroom, but they have different beds or maybe they're in different bedrooms altogether. I don't know. One thing I will say is that within the twin parenting communities, I do think that people do still have really strong feelings, as parents often do, about what's the right way to do things. But I do also think that parents of multiples also, in a very real way, understand you just got to figure out whatever is going to work for you. Yeah. (laughs) This may work for us. And I feel really strongly about why we did it. But I also understand, hey, you got to survive this too. So you do what works for you. It will do what works for us. But that was probably one of the biggest adjustments. And honestly, I think a big part of why I struggled with postpartum depression so much. In a lot of ways, I had to start over from the beginning, learning how to parent new babies all the way into toddlerhood. Everything that I knew and had learned and had practiced with having two older children, none of it was relevant to parenting two babies at the same time, to parenting two toddlers at the same time. And also I had ingrained in my mind a lot of strong philosophical beliefs about why you practice attachment parenting, why it's important to do this for bonding with your child. I mean, just all of the philosophies behind it. And so when I couldn't live that out with twins, because it was nearly impossible for me, I'm sure there are many parents who execute it wonderfully. It was really disconcerting to me. It was really upsetting to me that I couldn't parent them the way I had parented the girls. So it was a lot of adapting right from the beginning on through until I want to say when they hit four, my neighbor who was across the street that had the twin boys told me before the twins were born, she was like, I'm just going to be really honest with you. (laughs) She's like, this is really hard until about the time they get to be four. And she said, take a lot of pictures and a lot of video because you're not going to remember any of this. And I was like, I, you know, I had two kids already. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Just kind of took it in stride. But she was absolutely right on all of it. I don't remember a lot of their baby and toddlerhood until I look at pictures. And when we got to four, it was like, oh my gosh, we did it. We survived. <laughs> and now if we're not in crisis parenting all the time, now we can just enjoy these two humans who are amazing and so fun. And it became really fun around the time they hit the four-year-old mark. So if the shift in your parenting philosophy or the challenges to your parenting philosophy could be described as maybe the hardest part when they were little, little, 
what maybe continues to be the hardest thing about having twins? You know, that is such an interesting question. I'm just going to be real practical about it because I want to say this first. Right now in this season of life of our family, our twins are the easiest kids we have. They play together so well. They're into the same thing. They keep each other entertained. They're just easy and they're sweet and loving. And I adore all of our kids. The twins are the easiest to parent right now. But the hardest thing, again, totally practically speaking, is the cost of things. So Mm. I want to put them in swimming lessons this summer. And again, this is big family problems. We have a lot of kids. But I'm looking at swimming lesson prices and I'm like, oh, and I have to double this. So anything that I want to do for them, obviously double the price. So kind of trying to plan out what's really important, like what are the real priorities of what we want them to be, activities to be involved in and those types of things. Whereas when you have other kids, you can kind of stagger it out, right? So like maybe one kid is doing something that's a little bit more cost intensive right now, but it won't last forever. And then you put the other kid into these lessons or whatever, time-wise, the same thing. So managing schedules, managing the cost of activities is probably the biggest challenge right now. And I think that's probably going to continue to grow as they get older and want to get into more activities, you know? So do you anticipate that that will continue to be the biggest struggle even into the future? Or are there other things that are maybe on the horizon that you're like, this is going to be tricky? I know. I think about it in terms less of us in our active parenting of them. And I wonder about this as they get older themselves. And As they get towards the end of high school, are they going to be thinking they might like to, if they decide to go to college, like what if one wants to go to college, the other one doesn't? Would they want to go to the same school? Do they want to live together? Like I anticipate for them, less that Kyle and I would be telling them what they need to do, more the two of them kind of separating their lives a little bit because they- Forging their own path. Exactly, exactly. They've been so intertwined, even to the point, like I said, physically, that they still like to sleep in the same bed at eight years old. Their lives have been so together. That's all they've ever known that I just wonder, what's that going to look like? When Kyle and I were in college, we each had a set of friends who were separate. One set of twins, identical girl twins, and then identical guy twins that were Kyle's friends. And they had gone to, obviously gone to college together. We're sweet mates, lived in the same dorm, we're sweet mates, all of those types of things. And they loved it that way. And so I'm sure that there are some twins that just are like, why would I change it? I love my twin. And so I think if they are on the same page, either doing everything together or being on the same page of, yeah, it's time to split up. Let's go do our own things. That's all fine and good. But my heart just hurts thinking about if one of them wants to go be independent and the other one is like, but I thought we would do it together. Oh, don't even say that. You make me cry. (laughs) These are the things that I worry about for them. Again, not that we would have to make any decisions for them, but just anticipating what that might look like. Sure. So what's the best part about having twins? Oh my gosh, this part might make me cry. They are just so sweet together. They truly like our best friends. They do so many things together even to this day, hearing them in their room, which is, we share a wall with their room. So hearing them play the imaginative stories they come up with, which again, a lot of this you see in siblings in general, but just there's such a deep level connection there. The fact that they do 
I'll go in at night and they'll just be completely all these long boy legs and little skinny boy arms just like all wrapped around each other. Their connectedness is so obvious and so real. I am jealous in the most loving way. I'm jealous that they have each other. My sister Emily is 14 months younger than me. We were practically raised as twins. My parents treated us as a little unit together, but we're not really twins. So just seeing this deep connection that they have, how it has evolved over time, it is truly a magical thing. I couldn't have even anticipated it when they were tiny babies and toddlers because I was so in the trenches of how hard it was. But now, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I can't imagine that we would have a family that didn't have twins now. (laughs) Oh, it's so sweet. But they can't all be sweet, right? There has to have been like some sort of, I mean, aside from the exhaustion, aside from the chaos of newborns, has there ever been something that you're like, only in a twin family, only in a twin family does this happen? I will say, I was thinking about this question and Kyla and I even talked about some we'll of it. I'm just, next the time. stories are very funny, but to protect their privacy, I'm not going to tell them on this episode because they are boys and they're very curious about things like anatomy and they do everything together, like taking baths together, and those types of things. So there have been some extremely hilarious moments that I won't spell out for everybody. But looking back, especially that when they were toddlers, oh my gosh, talk about partners in crime. I remember specifically one time I walked into the kitchen and the two of them, they were like not even older than three. The two of them were sitting on the kitchen counter and had split between the two of them a bag of little powdered donuts that were sitting on the counter. They had figured out together, worked together to push the chair from the kitchen table over to the counter. Each of them had climbed up there and were helping themselves to a donut snack. So just like the partners in crime thing, especially when they were younger, the getting into trouble together thing, two toddlers can destroy stuff real fast. And there's some things in our house that have literally never been the same (laughs) since our twin toddler tornadoes came through. So yeah, there's that for sure. Oh my goodness. Meg, I just want to thank you for putting up with my huge list of questions of everything from, wait, do they share the same shoes to tell me the worst part for my heart to stop and reflect back and think on some of these things. I'm definitely going to dig up pictures and maybe even video from when they were babies and toddlers. Just some of my favorite things that we've captured pictures through the years to share on social media this week. And again, I know we have lots of people who are listening who are either parents of multiples Or, hey, maybe you yourself are a twin or part of a multiple, and you can give me and other parents of multiples some advice now that you're an adult. What are some things that you wish other that parents of twins knew? So I am so looking forward to some great conversations in the community after this episode. I can't wait to eavesdrop on all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rebecca, thank you for coming up with these questions. This was really fun. Such a great conversation to have. If people do want to find you on social media to have a conversation about this or anything else, where can we find you all around the web? Well, you can find my website at simplyrebecca.com and you can find me all over social media at simplyrebecca. Okay, you guys can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg and you can find Sorta Awesome wherever you look on a social media platform. Just search for Sorta Awesome. We're going to be there. So this was such a fun conversation. Can't wait to hear more from the awesomes. You guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.